Happy New Year, Women Crush Wednesday listeners. We are excited to have you back for more fun conversations about the wonderful women in film, television, and media. I'm Janine McGoldrick, and Kelsey Marsh is co-hosting with me today. Hey, Kelsey, Happy New Year. Hey, Janine, Happy New Year to you. Glad to be back co-hosting the podcast. Ah, well, love having you as always. It's 2022, a brand new year. We're halfway into January now, and still the major news in the industry is all about COVID. I know. It's been such a wild journey these past two years. The pandemic is still upending nearly every industry. Mm-hmm. And the recent Omicron surge of positive cases has shut down numerous film, TV, and Broadway productions. Like you said, a wild journey indeed. As of January 4th, there was a story where Sundance came out and said, we are reconfirming and going full steam ahead with our in-person events. And just a next day, they came out and said, well, actually, no, we're going totally virtual again. I think it starts January 20th through the 30th is Sundance this year. It's just unfortunate that we keep saying when to come back to some sense of normalcy and then take one step up and two steps back. So true. I just hope we keep taking those steps forward. And I think not only Sundance, there's a lot of other things that have changed in lieu of COVID as well. Exactly. The Grammys are postponed. This past weekend, the Golden Globes went ahead without an audience, no red carpet, although NBC had already canceled the broadcast Mm. as a protest to the controversy over a lack of diversity among their membership and ethical questions related to the finances. Right. And we're recording... Just a few days before the so-called ceremony, I don't even know if you can call it a ceremony at this point. So we can't really comment on how that went down. Maybe in our next episode, we can take a look at what exactly happened. Yeah, topic conversation for next episode, for sure. All of that, along with the really sad recent deaths of Betty White, Peter Bogdanovich, and Sidney Poitier, it hasn't been a great start to... 2022. So we want to take a moment to acknowledge them and all of the great work that they've done within the industry. And hopefully this is the last big wave of COVID and anything negative going on this year. We get it all out of the way in January so that we have a wonderful next 11 months of the year. Seriously, here's hoping. I'm not an epidemiologist, a scientist, researcher, uh, but I'm a big believer in manifesting your goals. So I am hoping beyond hope for a new way forward so that we can all go back to thriving and not just surviving. Oh, I love that. Thriving, not just surviving. You totally hit it. We've all just been surviving the past couple of years. And yes, we really do need to get back to thriving professionally socially, mm-hmm. mentally, physically, in all those respects. Thank you, Kelsey. That's, that's going to be our motto, our <laughs> podcast motto for the year, I think. <laughs> I Let's move on to brighter things. One of the things we love to do on the podcast is highlighting women who are crushing it in their careers and to learn about who is a part of our NIWIF community. In this week's Meet a Member segment, Kelsey is going to introduce us to Fran McGarry. I'm eager to welcome Fran McGarry to the NIWIS podcast in our Meet the Members segment. Hi, Fran. How are you today? Hi, Kelsey. I'm great. This is wonderful. Thanks for having me. Can you give us a bit of background about your experience? Well, sure. I am 
kind of like the Spice Girls, that my life, uh, what I want, what I really, really want, <laughs> has evolved <laughs> over the 30-plus uh, years uh, on this earth that I've existed. So I started out as an English and theater teacher, got my Ph.D. at NYU in educational theater. And from there, I, I landed my dream job. I ended up being hired by uh, Young Playwrights Inc. as its uh, director, director of instruction because that was the topic of my dissertation. And it was a dream job because I got to work in the classroom with students. I worked with professional uh, playwrights. I hired and trained them. Uh, Sondheim believed that the best way to teach playwriting to young people was to have a professional playwright in the classroom. I worked with people like Luke Lucas Nath, who won a Tony Award for Doll's House Part Two. Um, I worked with uh, Carter Bays. I knew when he was 15 years old, and he wrote the show um, How I Met My Mother. Uh, so we have all of these young playwrights that are out there doing uh, amazing work. So in 2011, my position was cut because funding to the arts were cut. The education mm-hmm. program was cha- trimmed. And so I decided, let me audition for an off-Broadway production of the Vagina Monologues. And uh, during that course, I got my SAG card and my equity card. And that's one of the reasons why I joined um, NYWIFT is because I was working in television and commercials and I wanted to, you know, break out and learn more. And I think that's probably one of the best decisions I have ever made. First of all, NYWIFT makes me feel like I'm the only member. <laughs> I mean, there are thousands <laughs> of members, but they have a way, thank you, Katie Chambers, and, and everyone who is part of this organization because they really care about you. And so I joined the uh, programming committee and the special events mm-hmm. committee and um, attended the networking events. And at one of those events, I met a professional uh, podcast producer. And she said to me, you know, you, you really have an exciting... I started a blog. It was called First Online with Fran. And I was telling her how I am an arts advocate. I, I'm a firm believer that the arts can heal our humanity. And she said, have you ever thought of starting a podcast? And I said, I have no idea how to do that. And she taught me. And I now have um, two seasons (laughs) and uh, close to 8,000 downloads of my podcast. And uh, it's it's just an amazing adventure. What an incredible journey. It is, and it just keeps going. I just uh, uh, started, I just turned 70, and I can share that because it's a number, and I'm looking forward to um, um, writing a book based on the Young Playwrights Festival. It's called From Their Voices, and I am also, the the podcast is just, just keeps taking off, and that's another advantage of being a member of NYWIFT is because they're interested, they're, they're invested in each of their members in a very special way. And, and they, they just raise, they raise the bar and you feel as a member 
that, hey, I'm working with all of these amazing people. And I can send my podcast link, and it's tweeted and shared, and people get in touch with me and say, hey, I'd be interested in doing that. This is, this is what NYWIF does. Like anything else, I think what I want to say to everyone, you get out of it what you put into it. Okay, if you don't initiate and join and take part in the resources, why bother to become a member? There is so much to get involved with. When I started my podcast, the chair of the programming committee said to me, she said, Fran, why don't you do a workshop? And I did the first workshop and she's like, you know what? You, you can do three of these. And she set it all up. You know, so that was the other thing. I just started this, and I said, I don't know whether I'm qualified. She goes, you're qualified. <laughs> and, you know, and that's, that's my point. NYWIF does that for, for me, and it can do it for mm-hmm. you, too. So join. It's a bargain. What yeah, more yeah. can we look out for from you? The next episode, I have, I have like three guests coming up. Uh, One of them is uh, right here on Long Island, which is where I'm from. Uh, Her name is Margarita Espada. She's a founder of the Teatro Yabrahuna, a arts center in Bayshore. And they uh, created this beautiful mural in, in Brentwood, Long Island. She said that the mural brings social engagement and empowers the community because with beautification it also brings economic development and if you're interested in being a guest on my show if you're using your art and your art form to raise awareness about the political uh, situation that we are living in and to try to make our world a deeper richer safer place to live give me a call and contact me at firstonlinewithfran.com Great. And we'll put that in the show notes. Fran, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to connect. Um, It's been a pleasure speaking with you. Likewise. And thank you for your service, volunteering, and and giving your time and talent uh, to this organization. It's well worth it. I appreciate it. Thank you. That is very kind of you. It's a wrap. I had such a lovely conversation with Fran. Her experiences are inspiring and noteworthy. Her personality is vivacious. I mean, I cannot say enough positive things about Fran and the conversation we had. I I really look forward to staying in touch and supporting her future work. I couldn't agree more. I can't wait to, to learn more and to keep listening to her podcast as well. So everybody make sure you check that out. And now we're going to hear from another wonderful woman in our featured interview, the award-winning actress and recent Muse honoree, Patina Miller. So excited about this one. Just a little bit of background. Patina began her career in theater, originating the role of the disco diva wannabe Dolores in the 2009 West End and 2011 Broadway productions of Sister Act. She also starred as the leading player in the 2013 revival of Pippin, which earned her a Tony Award for Best Actress in a Musical. She's also known for her role as Commander Paler in the Hunger Games Mockingjay films and her starring role as Daisy Grant in the CBS political drama Madam Secretary. Currently, she can be seen in the star's television drama Raising Canaan. 
Now we pass it over to Tammy Reese, who had the honor of talking with Bettina after receiving her Muse Award honor. Hi, Bettina. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. It's such an honor to have you on our podcast today. On behalf of our entire Nightwolf community, Patina, we want to send a huge congratulations again to you for receiving the Made in New York Award from the New York City Mayor's Office of Media and Entertainment for your many contributions to the entertainment industry at the Nightwolf Muse Awards. Wow. Wow, indeed. (laughs) You're not a stranger to getting huge honors. You're a Tony Award winner, right? But what what went through your mind when you found out you were getting this particular honor? Um, This particular honor is probably just so important, probably like is important because, you know, as a as a young child growing up, all I ever wanted to do was move to New York City and be here, be amongst the people, create art, um, you know, just inspire people and just do what I love to do, which is acting. And so to be honored um, on about my 15th year being in the city for my contributions to the TV scene here in New York City is wild. I mean, never in my wildest dreams that I imagine it uh, happening like this, but I am so incredibly honored. You have tons of theater experience. You've been on Broadway, you performed in iconic musicals like Pimpin and Sister Act. How was the transition for you from stage to film when you were cast in the role of Commander Paler in Hunger Games Mock and Jay films? Oh my God, I was terrified. But you know what? I when I'm terrified of something, that it, it does something to me. And that's when I get my best work. I was terrified for Pippin, you know, the thought of taking on a, a male role, you know, making it female and coming after the iconic Ben Vereen. Uh, the heights involved with all the circus stuff. So I really work from a place of of challenges. Like I love when something challenges me, but theater is a medium I'd already known and been in for a long time. Transitioning into the movie realm while being on stage, it was almost as if I took all of that energy, all the things that I love about creating um, something wild and exciting and scary for the stage. I took it into that process. I mean, coming off of my stage work, thrust into this big budget film was craziness all around. Um, But I felt super honored and I wanted to just bring this strong female character. I wanted to bring her to life and make it that she fit in that world. And she definitely did. Um, And I just kind of hit the ground running and I watched, I watched a lot of people. I watched Woody Harrelson. I watched Jennifer Lawrence. I am always a student. So I love watching people work. And that's where I did, you know, I, I watched everyone, Julianne Moore, all the people surrounding me. I just watched because it's a medium I wasn't um, familiar with at first, but that was like two days. And then after two days, I was like, okay, this is it. Yeah, I got this. I can do this. <laughs> yes. And you did spectacular. Tina, I want to go backwards a bit before we go forward in your amazing career. We would love to know about the time when you auditioned for Whoopi Goldberg for the role of Dolores and Sister Act which is the role she ah. played in the film. You have any stories or memories from that time that you can share with us? I sure do. So not only did I get to audition for Whoopi, but later on, cut to 2009, 2010, I actually got to play opposite Whoopi Goldberg in Sister Act while we're in London. 
so my audition i know i know it's incredible i grew up watching this movie it was one of the things my 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 siblings and i would do at my grandmother's house every weekend was we would wear out sister act one or two so (laughs) whenever this came to pass that i was going to be involved in the show i started out as the understudy at a uh, local production um, a dual production i'm sorry in la and in atlanta and from there i had known the role and I went to London because the director hadn't found anyone for Dolores yet, but he was like, can you just come? You understudied it. You know the role. Just like fill in for those two weeks in London and we'll thank you so much. You'll get paid. And I was like, sure, but I'm coming for the role. I'm going to make you see that I can be Dolores. Yes. Um, and so I did it in, in London. It was great. We come back. Then Whoopi Goldberg is brought into the process because they're thinking about taking it to London and putting it up there the next following year. And so they did the whole search. They were, they were looking for people, but I was still in the back of my director's mind. And so I came in and I, um, I remember I got to sing for Whoopi. It was just me and Whoopi in at uh, new world stages um, and the music director. And she just sat and I got to perform the songs for her. And she gave me some valuable advice. She said, advice. She said, forget what she had done and to put my own stamp on it, to, to go big, you know, make bold choices and have fun. And I have always taken that advice with me from then uh, to all my projects, but especially to the humongous giant that was Dolores Van Cartier. And then, you know, to be able to perform opposite her, <laughs> she played the mother superior. It was the best 10 days ever learning from someone like that. I mean, in the laughs that she would get every night as the mother superior. I mean, it was great. How epic. Thank you for sharing that with us. Theater, film, TV, you're just killing it in the industry and just so inspirational to so many women, especially women of color like myself. You've been starring in CBS political drama, Madam Secretary. And this year you began starring as Rock Raquel Thomas in Stars Television drama, Power Book Three, Raising Canaan. Now I'm a huge <laughs> fan. The Power Universe continues. And true fans like myself and lovers of your work in the show know exactly who Rock is. But from your perspective, and for our listeners who are just getting hip to the show, how would you describe Rock Thomas? I would describe Rock Thomas. Um, She is uh, a single mom trying to make a way for her and her son and her family. Um, She just happens to be a businesswoman. Business, she's taken on a business in, um, you know, in a high stakes world. She is, well, I hate saying queen pin, but that is what she is. Um, She's a CEO more than anything. And Rock is a boss. You know, she's worked really hard to get where she is in her professional life, the respect that she has. Um, but also she takes a lot of pride in how she's raised her son and rock knows the world that she's in is not good for her son. So she keeps continuing to try to push him out of it. But, you know, that's naive because you are a product of your environment. And as much as she tries to push him away, he wants to be involved. So our world of raising Canaan is about everyone already knows Canaan his start, but they don't know how it started and the people that influenced him. And it started with his mother. His mother, yes, Raquel is ruthless. She's a boss. She's all these things, but she was also, she is also a loving mother, um, the matriarch of a family, taking care of everyone, um, providing. And um, 
and you know, and she she's a woman who has the capacity to dream. She always she dreams of another world and or another life. Um, she thinks about the choices that she could make in the future that would take her away from the business and maybe she could do something else. So she's a dreamer. We left off on some cliffhangers, some conflicts, some unanswered questions. Fans can't wait to see what's next for Rock, for her boo, for her brothers, (laughs) and of course her son, Kanan. When does this show come back on? And without giving too much away, what can we expect? Okay, so um, I personally can't speak to when the show's coming back on, but I have a feeling it's within the the same time frame as when the show first premiered. I think we are on kind of this rotation um, you know, thank you, Courtney Kemp and everyone at stars, you know, it's like power verse 365 now. Um, <laughs> yes. but I think we're in the summer slot. So we're definitely, will be coming back in the summertime and basically things that happen towards the end. We know the last episode, how that kind of, it was open-ended, but some things, you know, obviously are going to, uh, start happening in the next part. Rock has control now, you know, it's what she's wanting everyone underestimated her you know unique everyone around her brothers even and she's on top the next season is about how hard it is how hard it's going to be to stay on top and once you get the power do you want more power how does that look like rock is a dreamer she's never satisfied about where she is now she's always moving and looking three steps ahead um there is a there is a friction between her and her son you know uh, he's forever changed by what he just did. Um, so their relationship, a lot of the relationships in the universe in our Raising Canaan universe, um, have fractured, you know, family as much as we, we family is family, but this season you start to see the family kind of go their separate ways and be in their own things and kind of like deal with a lot of, uh, the consequences of the first season. And, you know, it's it's crazy. It's explosive. I can't tell too much. But, you know, uh, Howard's not dead. So we're going to see how that affects everything. We're going to see how Rock, if Rock's secret stays a secret. And you're also going to see the length she goes to make sure it is a secret. Um, it stays a secret. Maybe it won't. So there's a lot of different stuff happening this season. Um, relationships um, are, are broken. And so you get to kind of see that and experience all of that, the consequences. Very intense and exciting all at the same time. That last shot when you were on the balcony overlooking the New York skyline, I just got chilled and you could tell, yeah, Rock has the power right now. So I'm so excited. I know fans are too. Lastly, Patina, I would ask you, what else can we be on the lookout for for you? Anything you can share with us or should we just follow you on social media to keep up to date? I'm going to say follow me on social media to keep up to date. Um, you know, I, I do a lot of voiceover work as well. Uh, um, so that's some some stuff coming up in the works, some work of voiceover projects. Um, you'll probably have to follow me for that. I'm also working on music right now. So um, look out for that. It's a lot of stuff. But most important, Raising Canaan is uh, Raquel Thomas is my focus for a bit more because st- we still haven't stopped filming um season two so and we are so here for it yes indeed patina miller everyone thank you so much have a happy new year thank you tammy i'll see you in the new year or speak to you in the new year yes indeed stay safe thanks bye
Thank you so much, Bettina, for giving of your time. And to Tammy, you know, what, what can you say? Inspiration is a word that we say all the time about a lot of the women that we talk about. And Bettina totally fits that. And I just love her range. She can do just about anything, it seems. Yeah, I really felt like I could hear the appreciation mm. of her own self and how much she's accomplished in her career in that interview. It, it just had me inspired and also had me thinking like, oh, I should celebrate myself. <laughs> right, right, exactly. And just how she had this drive to come to New York and to be an actress and to not only obtain those goals, but to be so appreciative of being in the city and what the city has to offer and how that has contributed to her career. It just goes to the power of the Nywift community and working here is such a special thing. And I love her appreciation of, of being here and how grateful she is to, to work in New York. You're right. She did have, she had the desire to come to the city and be a working professional. And it's been realized like 10 times over and to hear her be so appreciative of those opportunities and still want to participate in the New York film and industry and even more be a participant in NYWIFT is incredible. Exactly. If you haven't seen the 2021 Muse Awards, which also honored several wonderful industry elites, including Sandra Oh and Darnell Martin and a few others, it is available on nywift.org. So you can check that out. And there's also a new Muse boutique, which has great merch featuring the beautiful Muse logo. So everyone head over to the Nywift website. Our last podcast episode, if you missed it, we also interviewed Jason DeSilva, who was one of the Muse honorees, which, you know, Nywift does as we mentioned many, many times, accept anyone of any gender, and we do honor our male brethren. So please listen to that uh, podcast episode as well, if you haven't. Yeah. So Janine, aside from the Muse Awards, what else have you been watching? What can you suggest to our viewers this week? Well, just this past week, I'd have to say for me, Netflix is crushing it. I saw two films. They're in theaters, but they're on Netflix right now as well. Um, which I think are two of the year's best that I've seen so far. Both of them are directed by women, The Power of the Dog by Jane Champion and The Lost Daughter, uh, which is the directorial debut by Maggie Gyllenhaal. I'm sure you've probably heard a little bit about it. I'm not going to take the time now to go into some synopsis of both films, but they are just amazing. I mean, it, it seems as though Maggie Gyllenhaal has been directing all of her life. I am just so impressed by what she did. What I love about it, both of the films are, some people would call them slow burns, whereas they, they, it's very subtle. They're both kind of like quiet movies, um, but the tension builds in it. And both of the endings are just really emotionally dramatic to the point where it's not like a big car chase or anything. But just subtle and dramatic in the way that you're like, oh, I get it. I get what all these connections were, were, were building to. And I just think they were beautifully done. So that's that's what I'm throwing out there. Yeah, I, I have the lost daughter in my queue. I'm really excited to check it out. And I am committing right now <laughs> to watching <laughs> at least three films each week in the next three weeks. I've got to get caught up. There's so much great content out there right now. Um, so viewers, please let me know and us know in the comments what we should be watching. 
Yeah, especially as we're leading into award season now, I'm sure that you won't have any issues finding films. So please, listeners, tell us what you recommend. We'd love to share your suggestions as well as any nominations you have for our member spotlights, anybody that we should be talking to or yourself. If you want us to highlight you in a meet a member segment, then then drop us a line. Yeah. Or if you want to share a funny story or an important career lesson that you've learned, hit us up at communications at nywith.org. Well, Janine, it's always a pleasure chatting with you. Uh, you as well, Kelsey. And to all of our listeners, until we meet again, keep on crushing it.